0: p.m. on the east coast april 5th now if this was april 5th 2067 it would be four five six seven but i'd be 103 years old dan and if i'm still doing market call at that time we have a significant problem can you imagine 103 year old g swizzle doing market call but i digress this is market call one on the east coast 30 minutes but we will probably go longer because in just a few minutes the great carter braxton worth will be joining us dan this market call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow uh, i'm powered by the fact that the mets have now lost to the brewers 10 zip on monday nine zip yesterday and i think they're about to start the third game of this three game set in a few minutes if they haven't started already obviously looking forward to a sweep by the brewers rangers play tonight Knicks are in the playoffs how are you dan I'm, I'm doing well. I'm going to
1: be at that Rangers game tonight. Guys. No, you're not. Yes, I will against the Tampa Bay Lightning. How about you. that? All right, let let's right, let's get into this market. I feel like it's kind of coming our way here, guy. It feels like, you know, some of the rants that we had late last week on market call and some of the commentary I think yesterday felt like that. Remember that kind of early February market call vibe that we had? It was kind of like getting a lot of hate mail. Getting a lot of comments, starting to kind of question a little bit our resoluteness as far as uh, a market correction. I feel like we're about to have that right now. And we're going to talk about some of the things, I think, under the hood that are giving me a little bit more confidence. But it's interesting that we wake up to a headline. And, and I know I know that you get kind of fired up about these Fed speakers. Here's one. This is Mester. Mm. She is at, you ready for this, T- Tuesday, in New York with the Money marketers of New York University, whatever the hell that is. um, She's speaking there and she's saying that Fed funds should rise above 5%. We know that the CME Fed funds tracker is saying about a 50 50 chance at the may meeting that we're going to have fed funds above it um and again is this the sort of thing that is causing equities to sell off guy Mm -hmm. because you know what just throw up this list i just was like we were on our call earlier um with our crew and we were talking about some of the names that were getting just absolutely bludgeoned in tech right down five six seven eight percent across the board i thought those stocks the Airbnbs and the DoorDashes and the Snowflakes and the Data Dogs and the Z-Scalers. I thought they were supposed to act better in a rate environment where that's more conducive to long-duration assets, Guy.
0: Well, it's interesting. Clearly, they've been watching Market Call or they've been listening to Carter Worth. By the way, there's some cat that just joined us for the first time. I want to say his name is Market Chatter with Lee J. First time, long time. There you but go. Welcome aboard, Junior. Um, <laughs> listen, it's clear that lower rates were working for these stocks for a while. And as we've said a number of times, they work until they don't. And you hit that point of diminishing marginal returns. And I think that's where we are here in terms of what rates are doing and in terms of what these stocks are doing. Because again, these stocks need, in order for them to continue to go higher, they need to continue to grow. And we're not in an environment where I don't think you can see a lot of growth from these growthier high valuation names. So these moves makes sense to me. And in terms of Mester, if you could put that back up, by the way, I'm not one to talk about people's looks, but there's something called a doppelganger out, which means basically somebody that looks like you. And I encourage you folks to go to your Google machine because for you, uh, Ben Stiller fans, and I think Ben Stiller is a genius, Mester looks like his mother. Now, with that said, she's not a voting member. So, you know, she can say pretty much whatever she wants. But I think to a certain extent, Her comments clearly don't help. By the way, I happen to agree with her. If we do see a rate cut in the back half of this year, it ain't going to be good. So I'm on board with her. I think more and more people are coming around that way of thinking. Inflation is clearly still an issue. And even Jamie Dimon, who runs the largest bank or the most important bank in the world, spoke to that as well in his letter.
1: Well, it's interesting, Guy. And so here's uh, Carl Quintanilla tweeted this out this morning. It was a B of A. Q, uh, CQ. Data. I just call him Q. I know what you call him CQ. He's the man. Yeah. CQ. And he's a great resource on the Twitter for all this sort of stuff. But, you know, this is some charts um, and, and some some outlook as far as disinflation. This is what Bank of America is looking at. And so it is interesting, Guy, that you're getting, you know, Fed – speakers um you know speaking to the to higher rates to kind of continue to battle inflation make sure they get the job done but a lot of the data is suggesting otherwise right and so again you know yes we talked a little bit earlier in the week about crude oil and the bounce that it's had Um, but to me i just think that it's these are going to be competing narratives for the balance of the year and so if we do go into this disinflationary sort of period for certain things that um, some of these readings track and then we have slower growth i mean again you know this speaks to inflation being higher year over year right at a time where growth is slowing and asset prices have not reset properly and that's why bringing it back to the stock market is why you and i both think that there's a retest of let's call it 3600 in the cards in the not so distant future and if you're kind of following along at home and you say "Ah, oh, well you guys were calling for 3400 that was the pre-pandemic high in the s&p 500 fine man, whatever okay like my point is it's going to go back towards those october lows at yeah least not the trade that i have this on. is interesting
0: right so bank of america basically call that's good for bank i mean that's great good yeah. good for them good for them here's here's the thing you know Inflation was a problem before the Fed thought they had inflation. And I don't want to necessarily go down this rabbit hole. But the point is, yeah, their numbers, the way they measure it could come down. But I'm telling you, for the folks listening, watching this on the YouTube, by the way, subscribe to our YouTube channel and smash the shit out of the like button. As Stari said in one of her comments earlier, inflation was a problem before they thought they had it. So all the things that are sticky, aren't going away. Now, the headline numbers might come down, but I'm here to tell you, your everyday life, whether or not they say inflation is low or not, you're feeling it, folks. So good for Bank of America. It's not particularly helpful if they think that somehow that's bullish for the market. As you say, Dan Nathan, have at it. By the way, this is the same Bank of America that's run by Mr. Moynihan, who always thinks everything is just hunky-dory. And maybe in North Carolina, It is. But I got to tell you something. In the tri-state area, we're talking a whole nother story there, Dan Nathan. You know know what's funny? That was a bit of a rant, by the way. I I got I got a
1: call from a friend uh, at Bank America who's been there, um, I want to say, between 15 and 20 years. And I'm just going to call her. Um, she said that the, the 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 ranks there, man, they are about ready to jump out a window. The underperformance in the stock, all the goofiness, you know, um, about, yeah, they had free lunch, then they killed free lunch, then they had free coffee, and now they're raising the prices on some of this stuff or whatever. It's just like all this goofy stuff as they get, you know, around time where they have to um, kind of report their uh, numbers obviously expenses are a huge thing right remember when jp morgan got tagged last year because their expenses were like super high so it's like kind of funny that they do these stupid little things around the edges that are not good for morale especially when the stock price yeah. is acting really poorly here i was just kind of interesting there was nothing can't about
0: cost it. cut your way to prosperity you know yeah. you can and, and i gotta taste i mean not that i want to go down this rabbit hole yeah. either but so much of what makes a culture is people feeling good about the environment that they're in. And if you start nickel and diming people, people get pissed off and you know what it becomes, instead of being something you love to do and you feel part of something, you're like, F it, you know, I'm just punching a damn clock and that ain't good. So you 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 can think you're being creative, taking people's coffee away and stuff and oh, I'm sure your actuaries are getting off, but it's
1: bullshit. Now I'm in a mood, but I was in such a good mood before, by the way. Yeah, but 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 the broader issue is that okay, let's say Bank America bonuses are going to be down for last year, you know, across the board ten percent. Moynihan, I think, had like a twenty-five percent pay increase. You know what I mean? To the tune like north of twenty million dollars or something, whatever his salary is. And so those are the things that really piss people off. And then if you like at a bank, and I worked at Merrill in the financial crisis. And so you'd like to think that the people who are running these places, right? And, and obviously this was very evident during the financial crisis, they were really focused on, you know, solving towards different metrics that kind of maxed out, right? Diff, you know, different comp levels in this and that or whatever. And they kind of were asleep at the wheel. I think there's a lot of people who work at a lot of these banks and have seen what the regionals have had to do are really nervous um, about what, you know, like like, like, who was minding the store over the last year? What was their view on rates? How were they matching durations for some of these things versus deposits, that sort of thing? And we're going to know because all these banks are um reporting uh I think for the most part next Friday. One other mm-hmm. thing I just want to say, you know guy, I often like to think about things. You know when we talk about shorts or longs or this and that whatever, you know I talk about it in terms of like kind of exposure. Last night on Fast Money we were talking about Nvidia and we were saying with the stock at 275, if you looked at the at the money put, okay, the 275 put in April, that was about 3 weeks from now, it cost you about $10. You can do the math. That's just below 4% of the stock price. That's the break even that you would need. Now look at the stock it's down three and a half percent today i that's how i think about trading right i think about it is like what is the risk versus the reward if I were to buy an at-the-money call or a put? Here's the Nvidia chart. Here you see this headline um, about Google saying its AI computer is faster, mm-hmm. uh, greener than Nvidia's, and 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 maybe that's the excuse to sell the stock down three and a half percent. We don't really have to go into it, but I like to think about like trades in terms of what am I risking and what's the potential reward. And if these guys can throw up the XLF, I think this is really important because. On the 14th, next Friday, um, by five or six of these names that make up a good portion of this, if you were to look at the options market, okay, and let's say this ETF is trading at 3180 right now, I just bought the April 14th expiration. They're going to expire on that afternoon, okay? The April 14th, 31 and a half puts, I paid like 33 cents for those, okay? So you can do the math. That's 1% of the ETF price, and it breaks even if I paid. 33 cents or whatever it was, it breaks even at 31.18. That doesn't seem like so far from here, a couple, you know, two and a half percent or something like that. So that's the way I like to trade these sorts of events and understanding that I'm risking what I'm willing to lose.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if we're able to do this, so I apologize ahead of time. I actually took a law school class and one of the first things you learn is before you ask a question, you better know the answer. However, if we could do a longer term XLF chart, you will see that that level of support that you cite was if a level I, of resistance back in February of 2020 before the world came cascading low. Look at them, man, Johnny on the fricking spot. Yeah. So that level that you've outlined, Dan Nathan is the exact right level. And in terms of Nvidia, if we could just put that back on, you don't think you're going to see more and more headlines like that. You think the Nvidia is the only fricking game in town. They told a great story last quarter and the stock has more than doubled since the October low. So That's great. But this is not a cheap stock. And I am telling you, in the history of chips, chips are something, Dan, that become commoditized very quickly. And it's to me, it's just a matter of time before this happens as well. So it doesn't mean it's not a great company. But it certainly, in my opinion, shouldn't be trading 20 times revenues, and probably what close to 40 something times uh, EPS. But that's neither here nor there, so I like your trade. And and if I may, before we bring in dubs, you know, anytime you get a couple standard deviations away from the 200-day moving average, which is what we are now, these things become mean reverting at a point. So there you go. That's my two cents in a 30 minute show. Back to you.
1: All right, let's do this. Let's bring in Carter Braxton oh, man, Worth I love from, him. from Worth Charting. Um there there he, there look at he him, is. Are you? There look at he him, is. Man. And and you know, listen, we pulled up that Nvidia chart and that looks a lot like in some ways a chart that you're going to look at in a second, but you had a great report out um, on worth charting early on the was it yesterday it was kind of like you, you were ta- it was something beating a dead horse and hopefully you, you didn't actually uh, was, kill rates just not into kind of raids. beating dead animals either um, after they're they've, they've they've left this earth um, but you were talking about and you listed and it's a beautiful post of all of the times, I think going back to October, where you thought that yields were topping out, then specifically in the 10-year, let's just pull up, this is our chart, not worth charting. So this is, you know, guys, let's not cast aspersions on the way, on the way mm. charts look here. This is ours. Look at the 10-year yield. And, you know, this 3.5% level, you know, going back to June, Carter, you know, like anytime it's kind of been above that, you, you, you know, like you were kind of positioning for a move lower here. Talk to us about this. Um, that 200-day moving average is right at 3.5%. It's below that. And your note was saying 3%. You see 3% of the cards for the 10-year.
2: Right. So the, the important circumstance is that um, if you, well, OK, here's the note, right? And these are going back. We draw the lines very similarly. Um, that's the first iteration. What we've copied you, actually. Um, all right, look at the next iteration. It's all the same time frame. Couldn't you call it a double top? Look at the next iteration. Have we broken trend? And of course, the reciprocal just looking at TLT. is TLT is very much you know, making a bottom, and you can see all three iterations of, of that. But what we tried to do at the top of the note was put in perspective because often, and it's just the human condition, if you, if you come out today and say rates are going lower, people think you're just reacting to price versus predicting price. And predictions are dangerous because you can get things wrong. But the point of this was saying, look, October 21st, we're buying bonds, right? And then November, and then January, and reiterating, just rates lower. But the important thing is that if you if you look at the first chart, and maybe we can zero in on yours or the one here, this recent swoon is really the banking crisis, right? That we've seen. We were back at four percent, and consensus has been just until this last sort of plunge in rates that we're going to go to four and a half and five and the Fed will not stop. And But the reality is that rates peaked a long time ago, and the market is ahead of the Fed, as is so often the case. And there's every indication that we are headed towards a recession or something like it. And that then brings a question, are low rates a good or bad thing for equity? Mm-hmm. So Back in the ivory tower, where nobody's buying or selling anything, you're basically trying to figure out a risk-free rate of return based on where treasury yields are. And then you're trying to figure out the growth rate of a company, another very hard thing to do, and then discount its growth into the future, and then assign a multiple to the earnings growth. Now that's three very impossible things to do. And that's why you see earnings revisions all the time from analysts changing and so forth and price targets. But what we have here is this ongoing perversion that if rates are low, that stocks go higher. And in principle on paper, and I mean, most of the time that is the case, but if you were to try it out at some most extraordinary times, If that were the case always, and that's the thing people hold this as sacrosanct and cannot be violated. If that were the case always, uh, on the lows of COVID, when 10-year treasury yields were 35 basis points, the S&P should have gone to Mm 9,000. All things held equal. And and at some point, that's the problem with academia. It's really nice and all. It's a little bit like SIVB. They had the money to cover things. But once you get a run on a bank, you have loss of confidence. It doesn't matter what you're... Uh, leverage ratios are, how much reserves you have, the game is over. Anyway, rates lower, equities lower. That's my view. It has been my view, you know, and uh, it continues to be my view.
0: Let me amplify. First of all, Eric Lancelotti said I didn't get the memo about, I I guess i lean in because I'm so excited on the market calls. I lean in that also I need to see. So I lean in for that reason as well. But I'll sort of take a step back here and I'll say this historically, lower rates mean banks lend at a cheaper rate. Obviously, money becomes cheaper as rates go lower. Unfortunately, I think, I don't know, but I think what we're on the precipice of are rates going down, but lending rates staying resiliently high, if not going higher. Credit conditions, in my opinion, are going to tighten regardless of where interest rates are because of what just transpired over the last few weeks. So, These names, these tech names, specifically the NASDAQ names we talk about all the time, are very capital intensive. They're obviously very economically sensitive. And regardless of what people might tell you, they are still extraordinarily cyclical. Those three things are not necessarily where you want to be in this environment. And I didn't even mention the fact that most of them are extraordinarily expensive to boot, Dan Nathan,
1: To boot. All right, let's talk about a stock that you and I both feel is expensive. I think most investors don't really think so, but we're looking at kind of mid-single digits at best earnings and sales growth um, for Apple, and it's trading at, you know, 25 times or something like that. And again, you know, when we think about um, the oncoming recession, we think about a consumer that might become um, a bit strapped. I get it, you know, like Apple's products are no longer this kind of high-end aspirational thing they've become like sort of a a utility a luxury utility or whatever and if that's how you want to explain it fine i get it okay um but i'll just say this is that when you think about the reliance on china and you think about some of the weakness that we've seen over there the last couple of quarters and you think about the manufacturing issues and supply chains and all that sort of stuff you know to me and i think you guy you'll agree from a fundamental standpoint we think apple is vulnerable but carter Walk us through the charts here, because this move has been absolutely parabolic. Um, It doesn't show any sort of fear about any of the things that we've just talked about, whether it be valuation, whether it be a recession here, whether it be some sort of geopolitical dust up between China and Taiwan that causes some sort of disruption to manufacturing, supply chains, nationalistic tendencies for products in China, that sort of thing. All of the fundamentals, as you would call them, out the window. we us through the charts here. What are they saying to you?
2: Sure. So um, here's a chart with nothing on it. Kind of fun, and always important to maybe start that way because it's a, there's no bias here. Any line that put on is a judgment, it's subjective. So here's the, the thing to note, of course, Apple's strength since Gen 1, it's impressive. It's multiple in the beginning of the year was 20.5. It's now 28. So that's called multiple expansion. And you need to deliver on the earnings front uh, in order to justify that. Or, of course, the multiple contracts, all things held equal. But those blue arrows, this is very similar to my eye to the run-up uh, in June. Uh, take a look at the next iteration. The magnitudes quite similar, 36.5% versus 34 Now, this has taken longer. That was steeper. Yes, this has taken more time. But it, it's analogous, I believe. Now, were we to break trend, so look at the next and what you've got here, and the, and the angles are different again because this has taken longer uh, to to get up to the thirty-five percent plus minus gain. But I put that arrow, I put that arrow in anyway. I put a question mark to acknowledge we don't know that that's going to happen, but I think that's what is going to happen, and that we are ultimately it would take a two percent move from here to get us down to that orange trend line, and ultimately I suspect we break through it.
0: Yeah. And quickly, Jay Rice, um, who may be King Rice's uh, brother, anybody in the comments want to share who King Rice is, feel free. I know Dan and Carter probably don't know, but he says, what was breaking down three weeks ago, Merck, Amgen, UNH, and HGNJ, is now bid. And what was breaking out, this is now breaking down, Apple, NVIDIA, Microsoft. And that's exactly right. Now, I will tell you something that Tim Seymour has said, I think correctly, Dan, that as long as the Nasdaq names stay bid, it's very hard for the broader market to, in fact, go down. But that seems all to be reversing, and you can see it just today in terms of what the Nasdaq's doing vis-a-vis what the what the Dow is doing. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Again, one two days is not a trend make, but it certainly might be the beginning of something. Dan Nathan.
1: Yeah, and, and again, it's just important to highlight the way Carter does the charts there. I mean, and Apple has been a very volatile stock, um, but you know, it seems to be like a one-way train. It goes for like a couple months and it has a 30% move. I mean, Carter, when you see the largest equity um, you know, in the U.S., kind of trade that way doesn't it just speak to a level of concentration? And Guy brings this up all the time. You know, Apple's in hundreds of ETFs. so it's this function of kind of passive investing, right? And then, the, you know, over the last month during the banking crisis, I think it was this kind of flight to perceived safety, that sort of thing. That also presents like really big opportunities, right? And so, um, again, I, I love the fact that you said a two percent move back to that uptrend. But then are you, sometimes you'll speak in terms of like measured moves. What would your target be if it were to break that uptrend? And that could be by the end of the day, if you think sure. about it, right? Where, where where would you look to take profits if you were uh, if you were short this thing?
2: Right. We can pull the chart back up so people can uh, see it perhaps as we go through it. But um, it is only 2% lower that gets you to uh, the trend line and the prospective break in trend. You'll see it on the orange uh Trend lines. And so, if and as we get down to the orange trend line, I think we're headed there. And then, in turn, we break. Um, how low might we go? I, I certainly think sort of 140, 142, not to be that precise, but down in there is a reasonable. And that would be just a minimum. Why can't you ultimately go to the low? Because, again, if the multiple was uh, 20, 20.5, and now it's 28 on the lows of December, what if the earnings are light? Mm-hmm. If it's a little bit uh, unhappy? You can you can unwind. But the thing is that this is sort of, not to say idiosyncratic to Apple, because we know most importantly, it's happening in Microsoft as well, albeit not as steep. Holding aside NVIDIA, that is, a, is idiosyncratic right now and is sort of the poster child for AI and all this stuff. But the, the money flow... And it's the same thing in Microsoft. Um, And these are the big ones, right? Is it really people embracing these or is it a defensive posture? In principle, it's a defensive posture just as you're seeing, you know, Clorox and Proctor uh, attract capital. Good technique argues for being safe when things are uncertain. And while one could say, why is Apple safe or Microsoft safe? Uh, In principle, back to the ivory tower, back to the textbooks, a, a, a large cap uh, versus small cap, uh, l- low leverage, there's not a lot of debt in either of these, mature growth company um, is a safer place, all things held equal than other areas of the market in the event of uh, economic weakness. And so I think it's a defensive move. It's uh, in many ways, you know, we said on a note to clients called the face of fear, that the actual moves up in Microsoft and Apple are not so much an endorsement of those names, but a money flow thing, people going Mm -hmm. to where they almost have to go, the high ground. And if you think about it, even it's so, they're so mature at this point, right? Um, It's not a CRM, right? It's not Nvidia. There are such mature growth companies. It's almost like people rolling back the clock and saying, I am so concerned, I'm gonna just give all my money to John Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie. I'm going to give all my money to Bill Gates and, and Steve Jobs. I know Steve Jobs is not a lie, but that, that's the point is that here, I can't come up with any other thing all in. And it, that's not a particularly bullish um,
0: thing. You know, I love Carter. We, we thought Apple could get down to 125 in the fall. It actually did, and it bounced. The, the bounce is more... Uh, vociferous than I thought it would be. But, you know, if you look at a 50% retracement of this recent range, that 140 to 145 level makes a lot of sense, number one. Number two, Pete Larkin uh, knew who King Rice is and was, mentioned he was a great basketball player out of the Binghamton area, went out to play for the University of North Carolina uh, Tar Heels. And Eric Lancelotti asked Carter, Do you put any stock in Fibonacci retracements? And that's how I'll sort of throw it back to you, Dubs.
2: Sure. So um, I think all inputs are important. I mean, there are ones that are silly, to be fair. But I think it's fair game to do as much or as little work as one wants in terms of looking at indicators, oscillators, and any other sort of formulas to help inform judgments. There is something too. let me just say this, who among us, any of us could debate a brilliant Renaissance mathematician who figured out that there are sequences in tree rings and seashells and plants. So th- that th- his work is incontestable. And you do see those um, findings in the stock market as well. And so I uh, keep track of that sort of stuff um, at important junctures and try to indeed uh, use it as a part of my work. Now, I don't publish on it a lot because no one needs Carter Worth to do fib work because you can do it yourself. It's available on em- almost every software program.
1: Yeah, well there you go. It's it's available on the the fine facts at machine. Wherever you also. get your
0: wherever you get your favorite podcasts,
1: yeah, I'm sure that, that it's available. All, that, all right, Carter Brackworth. Like I mean, it's so good. Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. Thank you so much for all of those okay. insights. We appreciate it. We'll see you. Uh, I think you're on fast money tonight with us. I mean, I think that's uh yeah, we just can't quit each other. All right, bud. We'll see you later. Thanks. Yep. Mike Cole saying, "Guy must
0: own a word of the day calendar." False. I do not. That is many years of education coming to fruition. And somebody's pointing out that the Yankees are on the board early here against the Phils one zip stating that's all Garrett Cole probably needs today. I would tend to agree if we were later in the summer, but you figure Cole goes maybe six and you get into the pen. So I like where you're going with that. I am not as, um, I don't know, resolute as you are on that one, Dan. Back to you, by the way.
1: Yeah. Um, Dan
0: but, hates. It. See, Dan hates it when I go off let, on these sports let's hit things.
1: Couple, let's, let's hit a couple – stocks and, and they could be just random from from some hard hit stocks here today let's pull up zscaler let's let, uh, mm-hmm. ZS. okay this stock on seemingly no news is down eight percent i also think it's really interesting that it's down ten percent on the year okay so especially when you consider how much some of these really hard hit stocks last year specifically in tech um how they got out of the gate so this stock in, at its lows in january was trading a hundred and then at its highs in early February, was trading 143. And now it's round trip that entire move. Let's see if we can back this out and look at a five-year chart. Okay? So, Guy, to your eye, the next level of support, if it breaks 100, is going to be that 2019 high. That's right. Okay? That's about $91. And then there's that gap. Okay? So that's from uh, May of 2020. Okay? That's about $80. Okay? So you got 90, then 80. And there's just no support. I mean, like, and I just want to make one other point. This might be a perfectly fine company, okay? It it might be a great company. This company is trading at 66 times earnings and about nine and a half times sales. That's this year. And then next year, okay, it's trading about 52 times earnings and about seven and a half times sales. And I want to really just make the finest point I can about this. On an adjusted basis, it looks like Zscaler makes money on a gap basis that is generally accepted uh, accounting principles they lose a lot of money okay mm-hmm. so they're expected this year in 2023 to lose you know 230 million dollars that's on a revenue base I just want to be really clear here of 1.6 billion or so that is growing very fast at about 30% okay so if you want if you're asking yourself why would a stock that's growing 30% a year their sales why would it sell off? And it's in great end markets and all that. Why would it be selling off round tripping its whole move down in the year in a year where we have the NASDAQ up 18%, the NASDAQ 100, and then the NASDAQ composite up 14. So speak to that a little bit, guy. I hope I kind of walked it through. Well,
0: you did Yeoman's work, and I think you're exactly right. And I'm not, I'm just saying, because I have a memory, like, what's that big gray thing? in like It's an elephant. Nairobi yeah. elephant. And they have good, apparently, they have great memories. Oddly enough, as do I. And I think it was on Monday of this week, if I'm not mistaken, and Amanda, I'm sure, is nodding her head, that we got a question about CrowdStrike, which yeah. is extraordinarily similar. So if you could put up a CrowdStrike chart, because this is going to sort of make the point that you're making on Zscaler. What I said about CrowdStrike to the person that asked, I said, if you're long the stock, if you've enjoyed this move higher, it's time to take some money off the table because as my eye looks at it, we are right up against a downtrend line. And if you look at the move today, Dan, that speaks to exactly that. So that was somewhat, you ready for it, Mike Call Prescient on our part to hey, take that question. Thank you. I and, said and, prescient.
1: Yeah. You said prescient.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a C in there.
1: Mean. Well, I, it's a silent C. Let's well, not
0: frank. really. I think you should. Is there a thing where you could hit a, a machine and it pronounces it for I'll you, chat, like
1: gPT Hey, yeah. so all right, well, let's anyway. hit another. But,
0: let's, but, let's, but but there you go. So to oh, go oh. back to your Z scaler, I think that's where we're
1: on the brink of. Okay, all right, let's pull up Deer. Uh, good D-E. job by me remembering this shit. Let's pull up Deer D E. This stock on Monday morning, guy. This Monday, the mm-hmm. day that you were talking about. Crowd strike that sure. you just brilliantly remembered from days wow. Amazing. I don't make the, you know, listen, I didn't, I mean, I don't make this right. shit up. I mean, it's, uh, what do you think? On Monday morning, guy, this stock almost kissed 420. Okay. 419 and a half. And today it is trading at 374 and a half. Okay. So this is not a small company. Okay. there's no headline. I don't see there was no earnings miss. There was no pre-announcement. This is a one hundred and ten billion dollar market cap company that's absolutely getting destroyed today. For what reason? Where's the news? What's going on here? Well, if you look
0: at the ISM data, if you look at some of the manifest, I mean, everything points to a significant slowdown. I think the jobs numbers probably got people scared because what they'll say next is, well, wait a second, you know. If we cease to slow down in the housing market, uh, those jobs fall off a cliff extraordinarily quickly. And I think the stock is taking its cues from there. So it makes sense just in terms of the data, in my opinion. And people say, I want to pull this up because why not? Although we have to get out of here in a second. This is from Jack. And Jack, I can't... I'll try to pronounce your last name and I'll probably butcher it. But it's Jack Narcundar... Whatever. I'm sorry, Jack. I apologize. But... This is what's interesting, right? And I'm just going to I'm going to bring it up because it's important and I'm going to speak to it. You guys have been fast money bears for over 6 months, yet we had a pretty bullish first quarter with the S&P up 7%, Nasdaq up 15. So difficult to gauge your cry bear, I don't know what that means, call for second quarter and beyond. Okay, so I'll address that. In we were bearish most of last year. I will tell you because I remember because I just do these things. In the middle of June, the VIX traded north of 34. And I said on market call and on Fast Money that, you know what, that's a great capitulation sign. It's time to get long. The market probably has about 15 to 18% run. By August of last year, it did exactly that. Market sold off. In October, we saw the same exact setup and we said it again. You're about to see an 18% run. That's exactly what happened into December. Now, what I'll tell you I've gotten wrong is, although the market sold off in early December, the recent strength from basically January till now has absolutely confused the shit out of me. So, yes, I take ownership for that. But this, just to say you've been bears and you've missed the entire thing, it's just I'll use the word dumb back to you, Dan.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I'll take it. I'll, I'll go back into twenty twenty one. I mean, we were calling for the sort of correction that we had in twenty twenty two in the back half of 2021. And we were making the point that it was literally only the indices, the major indices, the S&P and the NASDAQ that are crowded by six or seven names that were doing all the heavy lifting. And we've been talking about that on Market Call over the last few days. It's almost the exact same sort of thing, but under the hood, there are plenty of ways to make money. Reducing your exposure to some of those areas that were doing really well in 2021, or the ones that were going to fall out of bed um, in 2022. So, I mean, I, I, I get your call. You, you're, you're you have a f- have fun. Cherry pick whatever you want. We're here every day doing market call. We're on fast money. Know Chris Sinclair is breaking my ball. So pull Where's this up, thing? or Jacob, guy, get off my lawn. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I, 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 I think so good.
1: but 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 my point is is like, okay, just no hold me. on.
0: I gotta say I'm um, Jack, I appreciate sorry, Dan and Jack's being a gentleman, he says he apologizes for general and and no problem at all. See that's that's the issue I typically have. It's the way, you know, the generalizations people make. I will tell you and I know this and as does Dan markets are not easy then you know you can do all the work necessary i read a lot of shit and i look at a lot of charts and even with all that i'm gonna be wrong it's just the nature of the beast the market humbles us all but i will tell you unlike many people that parade their asses onto some of these networks i'm not one of these people that's always right no i caught the bottom i sold the top they can go fuck themselves and yes i use that word by choice so you know we're trying to do this every day we're tr- we're we're as honest as we possibly can be and I get it; it ain't for everybody. Back to you, Dan.
1: Wow, I mean, I don't even know what to say with that. I have yeah, nothing I, to say. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take us out. I mean, listen, um, there's some funky stuff going under the hood um, here in the market, and and you can just kind of continue, and and you can just kind of keep. If you think that Q1 market action in the S and P and the Nasdaq is something that makes you want to kind of um, get more bullish than i i don't really know what to say to you because to me it' actually there's stuff just screaming the the volatility in the rates market and the fact that we've seen yields come in as as fast as we have in the face of what we just started this program talking about with fed speakers like mester um, coming out and saying that rates should go higher and stay higher and you see the 10-year yield where it is at a seven eight month low or something like that you look at the way the dollars come in you look at there, there's just so many there's just so many things here and and so to me they're not supportive of equity valuations where they are. And we have a slowdown coming in the economy. I am not an economist, I'm just telling you, all the data is screaming in silence right now okay so if you want to keep averaging into these names that you love so much and you have a long-term time horizon great but what what are the reasons why we're trying to we picked out zscaler which trades at uh, ridiculous multiples and loses money on a gap basis and then we pulled picked out a deer which is a fabulous company and and probably exposed to a lot of great areas of of potential growth when we're in a better economy both here and abroad that sort of thing and they're both telling similar stories here. So, how many kind of dots do you have to connect here? Um, but you know, we'll continue to try to do it. So, we appreciate your support here on the market call. Keep listening to us on the uh, on the tape podcast that we do with our really good friend Danny Moses, and and hopefully, guy, you can calm down. You have a I am calm. Time. Apparently,
0: they're YouTube police. That I, I apologize, oh, but F4. I get exercise. You know, listen, you that's what happens. I think the I tell you what, when I when handles change to six, I mean, the older you get, you know the less inclined you are to have a filter. Not that I've ever had one, quite frankly, but you know what little I have is probably going to sort of deteriorate continuously into my sixties, Dan, but I know nobody cares. Yankees up one zip Mets. Is it a must win game in April? I don't know, but you just got smoked two days in a row. Max did not look good yesterday. It's again, Dan's going to be at the Ranger game tonight. Check him out. If you're there, shake his hand. Um, That's it for Market Call. I want to thank, obviously, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow, the great Carter Braxtonworth, and I want to thank our audience. I appreciate all comments, and we try to address what we can, um, and thank you for that, Dan. We will both be on CNBC's Fast Money this evening at 5 o'clock. We will be back tomorrow with EY from SoFi. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you don't, And smash the like button. I don't know why, because it sounds like a fun thing to do. Just smash it. Just why not?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Do it. Thanks, guy.